0: Welcome back everyone to the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. I am your host, Matt Morris, here with my co-host Richie Franz. Richie, you're kicking my ass this week, bud. Uh, what do you think? You gonna you gonna pull it out or am I gonna have a last second Sunday comeback?
1: I think we'll see. I That's not an answer. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating a Shane Bieber start on a Sunday, but I was anticipating it. Edward Elzali Uh, double start before he had a blister and blew up so I guess I'll take that swap I unfortunately think I am gonna beat you though I've got a about a 50 point lead on you I think you have one pitcher left and I or no you have two pitchers left and I only have Shane Bieber but I think the writing is on the wall I tried using the fantasy god power against you Uh, For those of you who don't know, we we consider that whenever somebody talks shit or they think they got it wrapped up and they start bragging, somehow the fantasy karma or gods or whatever you call it do their magic and the other team somehow ends up pulling out a win some way, somehow.
0: Well, and this isn't even just in the consideration for wins and losses. This is injuries. This is boat accidents. This is a lot of things that are very interesting that we see go on with our league. When someone gets cocky, when their ego is inflated, bad things happen to their team. So We have both learned through the years not to get overconfident, not to talk too much guff, while some other individuals in this league who will go unnamed have not learned that same lesson, Tex. But... Uh. (laughs) Very nice other there, th- jinx
1: <laughs> other than that i was really excited to see jackson Coar, pitching prospect for the royals come come up he was killing it in triple a we talked about him last podcast only to see him get blown up and only throw a combined two innings in his first two starts giving up eight earned runs five walks and only one strikeout i don't know if it's something with the minors being completely different than the majors but Man, those statistics from the minor leagues are not translating to the majors, and I don't know what to do about prospects anymore.
0: I mean, Kauer was the last guy that we thought may have a chance to really come up and provide immediate impact. Uh, he came up with a plus check. He came up with a plus changeup, and that seems to be a pitch that makes a lot of these younger pitchers successful, right? Like that's just something that that you look for. And I had comped him to Zach Gallen. Well, he did not pitch like Zach Gallin. Uh I actually was at my girlfriend's father's house, house sitting, so I was able to watch the game since I am in a blacked out market for basically everyone. And I was excited. I thought, okay, here we go, Cower, I'll get to watch two, three innings. You know, hopefully he doesn't give up a run, controls the ball, doesn't have too many walks. And I sat there for about 30 minutes and watched his only inning, and it was atrocious. Um, He didn't even make it out of the first inning. And I'm looking at the box score today, and good Lord, it happened again. I think we drop him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we move on from him unless you're in a deep, deep dynasty league and everybody's rostered under the sun. I think he needs more time. I watched that first start as well, and you could just see his heart was pounding out of his chest. This was a kid who was absolutely nervous making his first start. And I was like, okay, maybe that was just a fluke. He just needed to get out of the way. You know, he's facing Otani and Rendon and, um, you know, Jared Walsh. So it's not like he was going up against nobodies. But I thought, um, you know, going up against the Oakland Athletics, he could have done better, settled in a little bit, lesser names. But it didn't work out for him. I think he needs to go back down to the minors and uh, maybe uh, buy some spider tech.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's always going to work for him we're going to go ahead and just list some minor league updates here. I'm going to go ahead and list it off for you, Richie. After I'm done, jump in. Just talk about anything that really catches your eye or something you're excited about. Starting off, Tampa Bay, Shane Baz, five innings, no runs, no hits, no walks, six Ks for double A. If you are in a dynasty league and he is out there, you absolutely have to pick him up now. He was picked up this week in our dynasty league in our short format dynasty league. Again, we don't have the roster space that most dynasty leagues have. Again, if he's out there, Shane Baz, buys however you want to pronounce it. Go pick him up. He's going to have an excellent future. He was acquired in that Chris Archer trade with Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now. Just another shiny piece of gold that Tampa Bay has acquired. Allie Rutschman is on fire. Needs to be promoted to AAA. It's pretty apparent. He has nine home runs now. Nolan Gorman, four home runs in the last four days. He is striking out at an absolutely alarming rate still. So a little bit of things to stay modest about with Nolan Gorman. Hunter Green, 9Ks, fastball everywhere. But secondary pitches appear to be getting better. Um, He did hit 102. I'm terrified about his arm. It just seems like he throws too hard. Kelnick looked like himself again, back down in AAA, probably be back up in the majors by the end of the year, and he will probably start performing at a 300 clip like Mike Trout did. All you got to do is go down and be checked a little bit. And then we have Ken Waldachek, 23 years old, New York starting pitcher, high A. Ken, I probably butchered your name. 30, (laughs) 30 innings right now, no earned runs, 55 Ks, 13 walks excellent command he has a whip of 0.82 he was around five pick back in 2019 165 overall out of st mary's college so hey man he's a he's a christian boy you know you always like those wholesome guys and then lastly we have we have brett batty 21 years old new york mets third baseman he's in high a five home runs in june and now batting 327 with a 976 ops he is the next bat to hit new york So, Richie, what do you got for me?
1: Yeah, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, I watched Hunter Green's, all of his nine strikeouts, his fastball when he was getting people to swing out. It was outside of the zone, but that thing is just powerful. I was impressed with his slider or cutter, whatever you want to call it. It looked like it just floats right into the strike zone, so that was good to see. Hopefully he can keep up um, the command. I did not see how many walks he had in that um outing but we'll uh take a look later uh jared kelnick i was just watching some of his at bats he just looks calm like himself watching him in the majors when he was in that slump they even said he was pressing too much he was worried about trying to get a hit even though the underlying numbers were great and saying he was just getting unlucky and he started getting in his own head i think all he needs was a confidence boost back down in AAA, and he'll be back up shane baz i mean Kid is on fire. He's killing in trip or double A, I should say. He needs to be promoted, if not brought up. But we know how the Rays are in this organization. We won't see him until at least next year, in my opinion. Nolan Gorman watched all four of his home runs. Half of them look like he's swinging a golf bat. Yep. <laughs> or golf.
0: Yep. Absolutely, you're right. <laughs> golf
1: club, I should say. Um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, reminds me of something like a Joey Gallo light or something like this. But this Ken Waldichuk guy, man, he wasn't on my radar before this, but he is—he is popped up now, and uh, I think it's time for him to go to Double A, and the Yankees could use some help. So maybe he progresses, and uh, is the real thing. He's got three years before he hits that magical age of twenty-six.
0: Ooh, ooh, ooh! You don't see me right now, but I'm <laughs> jumping up and down with my hand in the air. We have uh, breaking <laughs> news, which I should have mentioned when this show started. And this is a fantastic news alert because, again, I like the destruction of a certain manager's team in this league, even at the chagrin of my own team or your other teams, Richie. Luis Severino did not tear his Achilles tendon, as I had kind of hoped, but he may have torn his groin. He was helped off the field today in his rehab start. He was not able to put full pressure on it. He is going to be rushed for an MRI tomorrow in New York the Yankees are fearing that this is a severe injury. Now, for those of you that know who I'm talking about in regards to manager, I'm going to speak directly to that manager. I am not trolling you. This is real. So, Richie, me and you own this player, again, Luis Severino, in a redraft league. I own him in a dynasty league. You own him in a categories league. What are we going to do with Luis Severino? What's what's the game plan? Kind of wait for the news, or are we just going to abandon that approach moving forward
1: um yeah i'm gonna wait until i see what happens with the mri if it's something really bad where he's not coming back for a long significant amount of time i think we're almost able to drop him at this point unless you're in a keeper league that's a different story um, completely unrelated i'm starting to feel that way about carlos carrasco who i have I think, in two leagues. Um, He also got a PRP injection in his hamstring because he stopped throwing off a mound as well. Um, So it's just these injury guys. I'm just starting to get concerned that we're not going to see them, or when we do see them, they're going to be ramping up, and they're just not going to be themselves when we need them, which is August and September, and we need the rust off of them, but that's going to be the month where they're trying to find their groove again. And I don't think they're going to really provide any value from what you can find on the waiver wires right now
0: yeah i fully agree um we'll have to see what happens with this mri it's really sad for these for severino i'd actually picked him up for 25 dollars of fab budget in a uh, dynasty league which allows me to keep him i think at six dollars for next year and my thought was okay look at i acquire a pitcher that hopefully by september is pitching at a top 30 mark Um, and i know that any League managers that have traded for him or drafted him in this year's uh, running, thought the same thing, but we've seen it from Carrasco, we've we've seen it from Syndergaard we're now seeing it from Severino. It's not always as simple as these players should be back by June or July. You know, other things pop up. Uh, I hope this doesn't happen to Chris Sale as well. I Chris Sale's taken a very slow approach. But man, these injury guys that a bunch of teams stashed on their bench with the mindset of, hey, once I get to July, I'm just going, going to crush people. It's not turning out to look that way. But let's move on. Let's talk about our next subject, which is actually a segment that we had a friend advise us to do. And I actually kind of like the idea. Um, we're going to discuss B-level prospects. So the players outside of Wander Franco, Spencer Torkelson, Alex Manoa, Logan Gilbert, guys that are already obviously up or should be up or will be coming up. We're going to talk about guys that you can still pick up either in redraft leagues or more predominantly dynasty leagues if they're shallow and use either for trade chips or for the hopes that they're going to provide you value at the end of this year or give you a jump start into next year. So Richie, my first name that I have for you is Nick Lodolo. And then the second is Vidal Brujan. Um, obviously, you are rostering Brujan. You know a, a lot about Lodolo. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about each player and kind of what your expectations are.
1: Yeah, Vidal Brujan started off the year on a power streak. I think he had six or seven home runs in the first two weeks or so and was leaving majors. Since then, he's kind of slowed down a little bit. I think he only has one or two homers since then, but he is still has a great average above 300 and he's starting to steal bases now that he's not hitting home runs. I believe we should see him and Wander Franco um, by the next time we are podcasting, today is June 12th. If he's not up by June 19th or 20th when we speak next on our next podcast, I don't think we're seeing him until August or September and that goes for Wander Franco. The reason why I say that is it's June 12th. Usually the Super 2 deadline is gone and passed by now. There it's really hard to calculate when the official date is, but I believe you mentioned in previous podcast that it has never been later than June 12th. So I'm hoping we see them, but then again, it is the Tampa Rays, Tampa Bay Rays, so you never know. Uh, Nick Lodolo, I believe he's still in double-A. He's a high-end arm pitcher. I believe he was a first-round pick for the Cincinnati Reds. I don't see him coming up and helping you in a starting pitching role. I see him getting brought up in the bullpen probably near that August, September. Give him a little cup of tea. Um, And that's if he doesn't get shut down. You know, a lot of these guys, pitching in particular, are you know, trying to work up their innings. They have, none of them went over 150 innings last year. And the other thing we have to worry about is, look what happened at Jackson Coar, a more polished prospect. And, well, that's debatable, but look what happened when he came up. And he was doing way better in A than Nick Lodolo is in Double A. So I think for redraft leagues and this segment that you want to talk about, B-level prospects, I'm staying away. Um, Vidal Bruhan because he's a hitter, That usually translates more, in my opinion, as opposed to pitchers, that's more of a dice roll. But based on what I'm seeing from Jackson Coar, I'm staying away.
0: Yeah, I think that's completely respectable and fair. Uh, It's it's hard, again, with these B-level pitchers. Richie and I kind of talked last episode where in years past, when you don't go through a COVID-shortened season you see five guys that hit the major leagues with the potential upside of being a real top 50 starting pitcher as a rookie in your rotation. And this season, we've really been limited to just Logan Gilbert and Alec Manoa. So it's kind of frustrating in that regard. You're not getting a lot of production. You're not getting a lot of upside. And honestly, that also translates to you're not really getting guys that you can use as trade chips. I thought Cower, had he had a couple of good starts, could immediately be shopped around the league in Dynasty Leagues couple more players that i wanted to mention they are hitters so that translates a little bit more as richie had just said starting off we have cj abrams and again from a dynasty perspective cj abrams should not be on your waiver wire especially if you play in a categories league So C.J. Abrams is in double-A this year, kind of an aggressive placement, but he's hitting 295. He has eight stolen bases. C.J. Abrams is going to be an absolute terror on the base paths once he hits the major leagues in San Diego. My assumption would be they're going to have to play him at second, even though they have all these contracts kind of mingled in there right now or center field. He's got two very obvious positions that he could play. So C.J. Abrams, if you're in those dynasty leagues, inside categories leagues, and it's a shallow league, Go grab Abrams. We have Marco Luciano, the next kind of top player that I want to talk about. has seven home runs right now. He is striking out a little more than I would like, but Luciano is probably the next big-time shortstop prospect after guys like Bobby Witt, Wander Franco. Obviously, as we had just mentioned, C.J. Abrams, who will not keep that position eligibility. So Luciano's a guy to keep in mind, but he's also probably a year and a half away. Richie, what are your thoughts on, on those two guys, and what's your timetable for Luciano?
1: Yeah, C.J. Abrams, I, I like him as an overall baseball player. I, the defense is phenomenal. That's kind of He's kind of a glove-first guy with a high average. Reminds me of a, a David Fletcher type. He's not going to have any power, um, but he's going to have a little more speed, and he should be able to hit for a decent average. I, I honestly don't know when he's going to get called up. The Padres lineup is phenomenal. They got... Fernando Tatis at short, you know, Jay Croningworth at second has been killing it and their outfield is just loaded. So I don't know the contracts for everybody in their outfield Tommy Pham. And, um, who's the one guy I'm thinking about? He was from the Rays and he got moved over. Manuel Marco. Will Myers. No, Will Myers I'm thinking of. So I don't know when those contracts end. So it's hard for me to gauge for CJ Abrams. I don't think we see him at all this year. Uh, as far as Marco Luciano, I was super excited to see what he was going to do in the minors this year. If I'm being completely honest, I'm a little disappointed. I thought he was going to be tearing the cover off the ball and be moving through the minors by now. I thought for sure he'd be, I think he's in high as we speak. Don't quote me on that. But I thought for sure he'd be at Double A or triple A, just tearing the cover off the ball and making a push to be called up near the end of the season this year and be that top prospect that you want to stash at the beginning of next year. I don't think that's happening. Now my timetable for him is kind of pushed back. I think we don't see him until middle of next year, if not the end of next year. And that also depends on Brandon Crawford. If he's in the last year of his contract, so do they bring him back? Do they find a filler, or do they just give Luciano that role coming out?
0: Yeah, I think we see Abrams. I think we see Luciano. I think we see Riley Green for Detroit. Austin Martin is the player I'm going to talk about next year. I think we all, I think we see all of them around the same time that last year. They all had last year significantly changed the timetable, but Austin Martin, as I had just mentioned, I have two players that are kind of left in tier B that are going to provide you talent that you may want to keep on your team. Anyone else I talk about after is going to be someone that I would encourage you to look to trade Austin Martin. Obviously it was drafted last year. He was aggressively placed at AA this season. He did not get off to a very good start, but he has actually brought his average up to 276, which is very respectable for a first-year player. He does have two home runs, so you'd like to see a little bit more power. But again, this is a guy that you may want to stash, you may want to hold on to, because he's going to be a major league starter for your fantasy team almost immediately when he does come up. The Blue Jays are not going to rush him. They have Boba They do not need him right away. He'll probably play center, but they've got George Springer. So give it two, two two and a half years maybe, unless he starts to really tear the cover off the ball. Which brings me to my next name, who is absolutely destroying the baseball, and that is our guy, Joey Bart. He is in A with five home runs, hitting 338. Now, obviously, there is a tremendous hole and backstop in his way. Buster Posey is still the catcher for San Francisco. He's going to be the catcher for San Francisco, and they do not seem interested in bringing Joey Bart up until probably next year when they can implement that NLDH. So, if you need catchers, if you're in a dynasty league, if you can go and trade for Joey Bart because of the poor performance he showed last year, I would implore you to do so. As soon as you can before your fantasy trade deadline, I really do think next year we're going to see a very very strong performance from Joey Bart. If you've got him on your teams, do not trade him. Hold on to him. I think he you're talking about a top five catcher over the next you know let's say seven years in the major leagues once he gets full time playing duties. Richie, what do you think of both players?
1: Yeah, Austin Martin. I I like him for some reason. I have no reason why, but I feel like. I have the same views on him as I do Alex Bregman, but with half the power. I just have no rhyme or reason for it. But when I think Austin Martin, that's who I think of. I just don't see a path for him to coming up. You know, they got Vlad, Bo They just signed Marcus Simeon. As you mentioned, George Springer. There's not much room for him to come up. And like you said, with the last season, they'd need to develop. I don't see them rushing him. He's more of their future now. And... As far as Joey Bart, I absolutely agree. I think he he is going to be a top 10 catcher moving forward. Um, I'm a little hesitant to say top five because you never know how it translates. And in his first um, major league experience last year, he didn't set the world on fire. Um, Now, if we were talking about Adley Rutschman, I think he is almost a bona fide top five catcher, guaranteed. But Joey Bart, definitely interesting name. Um, for sure, we'll be up. I wouldn't be surprised if Buster Posey retires by the end of this year, if not splits time with Joey Bart. I don't see any reason why they keep him away from the majors next year. This year, completely 100% understandable.
0: Yeah, and I think the important thing to remember with Bart is top five, as Richie had said, is a very, very aggressive placement for my rankings. But Bart has the pedigree he's learned under Buster Posey. I know Buster had opted out last year, which is why Bart played a little bit. But you're talking about an organization that knows what it's like to have a cornerstone catcher. They drafted Bart, I think top five, top six in the draft the year they took him. He's showcasing in the minor leagues that he can hit. He does have the contact. And frankly, I agree with you with Adelie Rutschman. There's just absolutely no way if anyone that is listening is in a dynasty league, he is not rostered. It would be an egregious crime for Adley Rutschman to be sitting on any dynasty waiver wire. And if he is just shut down the league because it's probably not a real league, but I want to go ahead. And I agree. The only, <laughs> the only
1: thing I want to say before I cut you off, uh, well, look, look at Francisco Mejia, top, top end catcher, and he panned out to be nothing. And Danny Jansen, not really on, the high end as far as prospects go but when he was called up i know a lot of fantasy analysts across the league thought he was going to set the world on fire because he knew how to hit but you also have to adjust your framing for these pitchers. you're calling the pitches for them you got to be on the same page as them so there's more to it than just hitting so that also plays a factor
0: no i i fully agree with you and and i think that's where my confidence in bart comes from the fact that he's going to be 25 next season You know, Mahia was called up, I think, at 21 or 22 when he was bouncing back and forth between the minors and the majors. He was traded a few times. That really shakes your confidence. When you can't sit down and get to know your, your franchise, you can't get to know your staff, you don't have relationships built with your coaches, that really throws kind of a log in that development. I would not be surprised to see Mahia turn into everything they expected him to. In two or three years in Tampa, the downside is you didn't give the kid a chance to kind of get his feet wet and under him, and then stay with an organization. Now I
1: also—I'm sorry, did you, did you? I'm sorry, did you say Tampa? I think you meant to say the team he'll be traded to in two to three teams from <laughs> yeah. now because he gets traded every year. He'll
0: end up on the Brewers <laughs> like he was supposed to, you know, three years ago. Um, but Richie, I'm going to rattle off some names next. These are guys that I think will be up either at the end of this season or starting next season that are going to have name hype, that are going to have a little bit more pedigree than they are actually going to have performance-based. And I want to go ahead and start off with one player with a little bit of stats, and then I'm just going to rattle off those names. The first one is J.J. Blade for the Miami Marlins. He was obviously taken pretty highly in the draft a few years back. He is not performing very well. He's hitting 206 with five home runs. He's in double A. That's a name that you could go out and grab if he's on your waiver wire. Maybe fish him around to some people. Utilize that high first-round draft pick that he was taken as, as maybe kind of a golden nugget for teams to bite on if you're trying to acquire a guy kind of at the deadline, maybe a Chris Bryant, maybe a Jose Altuve. These next names, again, are guys that I do not value as A-level prospects. Richie May, and that's why we're going to give him a chance to jump in. Um, But again, guys, I think you can pick up and utilize as trade bait. We have Max Meyer also on the Miami Marlins. We have Asa Asa Lacey for the Kansas City Royals. I think Asa could turn into an A-level prospect. We need to see more of him. But I think being a young left-handed pitcher, they usually don't develop as quickly. You could roster him and trade him. You have Emerson Hancock for the Seattle Mariners out of Georgia. Great player. Again, he's a young pitcher. He's probably about a year, year and a half away. Drew Waters, who's going to be coming up any day now for Atlanta, is actually tearing the cover off the ball. He's having a very, very good season. To put that into perspective, he has seven home runs, and he's batting 309. He's eight, 18 stolen bases, if I'm looking at this correctly. Excuse me, 16. So the speed is there. If you're in categories leagues, this is a guy that you can dangle to some of the lower tier teams and really pull some immense value off of. You've got Nate Jones for the Cleveland Indians, power-hitting third baseman. He's been a prospect for a while. Definitely someone that would garner some attention. Nick Gonzalez for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's going to be a power bat at second or short, probably going to play second. He's a few years away, but again, was drafted very highly in last year's draft. And then finally, I wanted to talk about Kristen Casas for Boston. Big-time power bat. Richie had said this earlier. Joey Gallo-Light. I think that Tristan has a little bit more contact. I would expect him to hit 250 in the majors and kind of see where that goes. But definitely a name that you could also pick up, shop around teams as a power bat, as the first baseman of the future. And again, if you've got teams that are faltering, might be a time to go roster purging. Richie, what do you think of that list that I rattled off? Anyone that caught your eye?
1: Yeah, so you did list off a lot of people. I'm just going to go through kind of who I remember and kind of my My two cents, and I'm going to start with J.J. Bleday. This is somebody we've talked about extensively on and off the, I don't think we've actually talked about him on the podcast, but off the podcast for sure. A guy out of Vanderbilt, definitely has the power and the pop. However, I view him as kind of a a high floor but a low ceiling type of guy. He's just going to be your standard outfielder that you're going to stream on good matchups and probably drop or bench on bad matchups, I think. He might get to top 40, top 50 outfielder, but I don't ever see him get cracking that top 25 and have that pedigree that uh, Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna has. So I just don't see him as being that A caliber prospect. Max Meyer, third pick overall in 2020 draft for the Miami Marlins. He's in double A right now. I like his fastball. Um, It's to be seen what happens with the secondary pitches. That's kind of what I'm looking at. I just don't see him coming up this year and I don't think a lot of people really know his name so I don't think he can give you that name value as far as trades or get that pre-draft hype that uh, you know Ronald Acuna or Joe Adele, Jared Kelnick would normally get you so if you're trying to stash him for that name value I don't think you could get it. I think you're better off with the Austin Martin or Nick Gonzalez somebody who's going to be in that top 20 on the MLB prospect list that's what's going to catch the eye of your teammates, not somebody who's in the 50 to a hundred range. Um, Nick Gonzalez, I think he's going to be probably a top 10 second baseman. I don't think he's going to hit for a lot of power, but I do think he's going to hit for a lot of average. And I think he's got some speed. Um, and you know, I'm going to ask you to remind me a couple more names, uh, those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, no, and I, and I love the input you had for Nick Gonzalez. Uh, I'll, I'll list those here in just a minute. I did want to let the listener know Nick Gonzalez's power is completely up in the air. He had an absolutely amazing stretch when he was in New Mexico at college. I think he had nine home runs in two days. I think it was three games. I think he played a doubleheader and then a, a morning game the following day. He had nine home runs. Now, New Mexico has a similar altitude to Colorado. So that was one of the, co- the big issues they said with him when he was being drafted that they're not sure the power is going to translate. And he's hitting two ninety six in high A right now with two home runs. I think Nick Gonzalez is an incredible talent. I personally don't have the roster room in Dynasty Leagues to roster him right now, um, and I do think he's a year and a half away. But everything you said about him, Richie, was spot on. Uh, some of the other names I listed, listed were Asa Lacey, Drew Waters, uh, Nathan Jones, and then we wrapped it up with Tristan Casas.
1: Yeah, so Tristan Casas, uh, we spoke about him in the past. I think he's Bobby Dahlbeck with Better Contact. Um, Drew Waters has the power. I just worry about the contact and the playing time there in Atlanta. Um, um, based on what I'm seeing from all the other Kansas City Royals, I'm staying away. Uh, clearly they're getting brought up when they're not ready. And when it looks like they are ready, the statistics aren't translating to the majors. So it's one of those, I would wait and see it before I invest in it. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the last one you listed off for? I just touched on three.
0: That's okay. So final one would be... Nolan oh, Nolan Jones. Jones. Oh, yeah. Nolan. Nathan Jones or there Nolan? Nolan Jones. Nolan
1: Jones for Cleveland. You got right? it. Um, yeah, I believe he's a guy with medium to high power, but again, has a high strikeout rate. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe he's at a, a 30% clip or higher um and once again they got jose ramirez so unless he lights the world on fire i think they're just going to let him develop unless they make room for him i don't see them trading jose ramirez anytime soon
0: well and here's the numbers for you on nolan jones and uh, nolan i'm sorry you will always probably be nate jones in my eyes because uh that's just my dyslexia talking but nolan has played in 32 games this year in triple a you know, he's, he's at a position in the minor leagues, which he should be for his age. In those games, he's had 47 strikeouts. He's batting 196. He had a pretty good showing, supposedly, last year in the alternate training site. It is not translating very well. And I'm, I am starting to be concerned for those dynasty owners that roster Nolan Jones. Uh, a couple more statistics just to throw out there r- real quick before we move on. Asa Lacy is struggling mightily this year. He's at double A, excuse me, he's at single A. He has a 6.65 ERA. That is pretty atrocious. But to touch on a top 10 major league prospect that should be coming up anytime now, at least what we thought preseason, is Mackenzie Gore. And when I tell you his ERA, you'll realize he is nowhere near major league ready. He's sitting at a 5.94 Mackenzie Gore was supposed to be the next second coming of a ace ready to perform much like Forrest Whitley, man. It just seems like these pitchers, they're, they're a crap shoot, you know, like you got a guy like Alec Manoa who came basically out of nowhere in spring training and, you know, kind of f- flew his way up, uh, prospect boards. And you've got guys like Asa Lacey and Mackenzie Gore, Jackson Cower that, just can't seem to put it together in the majors. So I think I speak for both of us. It's, it's truly wait and see with the rest of these guys. Right, Richie?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, we are going to move on. Richie and I are going to talk about slumping players. Richie, you're going to start us off. You're going to talk about some players that have been slumping throughout the entire season. I am then going to follow that up with players that are uh, going through a little bit of a hard stretch currently. Could be a week, could be two weeks. Um, Richie, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to go. I kind of just touched on a a couple at each position, or just one at each position, I should say. First one's Gary Sanchez. In our league specifically, he's been dropped and picked up multiple times each week. People don't know if he's the real deal or if he's just hitting a few homers and then going cold. As it sits right now, he's got a 218 average with 18 runs, 7 home runs, 17 RBIs. And in our league, he's ranked the 16th catcher in points leagues. I just don't know what to do with this guy. feel like he's not making enough contact, obviously shown with the 218 average. He's got decent pop with the seven home runs. I just don't see it being consistent. I would rather try my luck on somebody sitting on the waiver wire like a William Contreras or a Sean Murphy or something like that. Um, moving to first base, Josh Bell. He was getting a lot of preseason hype moving from the Pirates to the Nationals. I know he had that breakout season in 2019 before 2020 kind of ruined it for him. Right now he's batting 219 with 28 runs, 8 home runs, 24 RBIs. He's currently the 19th uh, first baseman in points leagues. The underlying numbers suggest he should be better. So I'm still kind of doing the wait and see approach, but his launch angle is negative um, or lower than what it should be, I should say. Uh, Brandon Lowe. Um, Second baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays batting 194, but he does have 32 runs, 11 home runs, and 27 RBIs. You know, I'd like to see the average come up and see him be a little more consistent, but I am happy with the 11 home runs I wasn't even anticipating him to hit 20 home runs this year so he's well above that average so that is good to see but if he can at least get to 250 for his average that'd be nice to see I projected him as a 270 hitter before this but maybe pitchers are just figuring him out and when he does make contact he's making great contact moving to third base two that I want to touch on is Anthony Rendon and Eugenio Suarez Rendon batting 233 with 16 runs, and here's the kicker, only three home runs. He's the 26th third baseman in points leagues. And Eugenio Suarez batting 163, but he's got 32 runs, 13 homers, 30 RBIs. The thing with him is he's not going to hit the ball. He's going to go 0 for 4, 0 for 3, but when he does make contact, it's getting out of the yard with those 13 home runs. I believe Ladd is in first place with 20 right now. And then uh, some outfielders, Mookie Betts and Juan Soto. Mookie Betts is only batting 246 with 36 runs, 6 home runs, 22 RBIs. I think he's fine. It's still the middle of the season. He'll be back to normal, as you can see with his runs, home runs, and RBIs. It's just his average needs to get up. Juan Soto, 274, 32 runs, 8 home runs, 27 RBIs. Now, the reason why I put him in here is because he started the season off slow, He's starting to come around, but he's still not the one Soto that we wanted him to be, that top five outfielder that was going to bat, you know, 310 to 330 and have that 40 to 50 home run power. Um, I don't see it happening this year. I think that shoulder injury is going to linger a little bit. I think it's going to tamper with his home run ability and maybe creep into his average. And then just two uh, starting pitchers I want to touch on. There's a lot more we could talk about, but Blake Snell, he's two and three on the year, 58 innings pitched, 32 runs allowed for 497 ERA. He does have 84 strikeouts, but 35 walks. So the strikeouts are encouraging. It just makes me think that the Padres don't know when to yank him. Um, during his starts and maybe the Rays knew something by only letting him go four or five innings maybe it's the third time through the order maybe they just know that he was gonna flame out near the end but I am considerably worried about him getting quality starts moving forward and then Lucas Giolito started the year off really cold Um, he's got 75 and two-thirds innings pitched with 32 earned runs 96 strikeouts to 25 walks for a 381 earned run average with a 1.11 whip. I like the whip being down there in the low ones. The 3.8 ERA has me concerned but I am intrigued with the strikeout ratios. I'd like for that ERA to come down but maybe he's just got bad luck. I know he did have that one bad game where he started a double header and he said he was not a morning person so we'll see.
0: Some great names for everybody there. Uh, I think all of these guys are probably going to have to see how the rest of the season goes. Again, this is the first year back after a 60-game season. But again, Blake Snell, very concerning. This is probably what we're starting to see. Again, Anthony Rendon. This is not Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon is a perennial all-star. Same thing with Mookie. Same thing with Juan Soto. Giolito, jury's still out. We're not sure, right? We saw a couple of great years, some flashes from him. We're going to really need to see him get that ERA in control, get that whip a little bit lower. 1-1-1 is still pretty good. I have some more names for us. One of the names Richie did mention, Brandon Lau, is 4 for his last 21. I just think he's lost it. I think Major League pitchers and front offices have figured the guy out. I think it is time to move him into a platoon role and really bring up the young kids. Next, we have Chris Bryant, who has had a fantastic start to his year, but he is 3 for his last 18 be interesting to monitor Chris Bryant. Obviously, in a contract year, if I'm a fantasy owner that owns Chris Bryant, I'm shopping him and I'm shopping him heavy right now. We haven't seen the production from him over an extended period of time in three years. I will not buy into him until I see it over a full year again. Next on the list is Jan Mankata. He's 2 for his last 19. Now, Jan is actually hitting 282 this season coming into today, so he's performing at a much better clip than he has last year, starting to get his strikeouts a little bit under control. So he might be a player that you might want to target in dynasty leagues if he has a cheaper price point. I still think you have a very serviceable serviceable player in Jan Mankata in the future. Next on the list is Manny Machado, 5 for his last 17 which isn't actually terrible. Machado's had a pretty down year. We're just waiting for him to, ex- to explode. It's going to happen in that lineup. It is getting hot, as I have said over the last few podcasts. As it gets hot, Machado is going to start hitting, and he's going to start hitting home runs. So kind of monitor his situation. I'll be monitoring him next week to see if he can kind of figure things out. A couple players that I think that fantasy managers should be looking to trade on the opposite end of that spectrum who are very hot is Kettle Marte and Sterling Marte. Both are exceeding expectations right now. Kettle, obviously, is a younger player and in Dynasty Leagues. You may want to hold on to him. But second base is a hot commodity this year. If you can trade him for high value and you are in it, I say go for it. And then Sterling, obviously, is getting up there in age. He's just coming back off a few injuries a few weeks ago. He's hitting 350 this season, though, so there's a lot to like. The last name I'm going to mention for you is a player that has been terrible this season and was actually highly touted coming into the year. That's Ian Happ. I think Ian Happ is about to get his numbers back to where they're supposed to. He's batting under 200. He did hit a home run today. I think people in, in any league are probably undervaluing what he, what he what, <clears throat> undervaluing what he can bring to the table rest of season. If you're in desperate need for an outfielder that you can trust to start rest of year, I am saying Ian Happ is that guy. Richie, what do you think? I threw a lot of names out there. Did anything catch your eye?
1: Yeah, I like uh, Starling Marte and Cattell Marte. I know they're hot right now, but I believe in it. I knew these guys would be hitting for average. I don't think they're going to stay this hot, but I would be willing to buy high on those type of guys. Ian Happ, a guy who started off really slow, needed to adjust. I do believe in him. This was somebody I actually was trying to get in um, our draft, um, but I just got outbid on him. Um, And Then I was happy to see that I did get outbid on him and just kind of forgot about him. In the meantime... As far as Chris Bryant goes, I'm I'm kind of torn because this was somebody who I missed out on trading for, uh, as we've talked about in the past, um, but I did not think he would be this great and have this much power production as well as the average, so I do think he's kind of normalizing. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff, but I do think he'll get back into that range that we're used to seeing in that you know 275, 280 as average. And uh, more so hitting around on a 30 to 35 homer pace rather than a 50 to 60 homer pace and batting well above 300. So if you can sell him high as the top third baseman, as a top 15, top 20 player, I would absolutely do it. I would probably perceive him as a top 50 to 70 player moving forward, which is still an upgrade considering he was drafted outside the top 100 in most leagues. So... Um, Either way, you can't go wrong if you want to hold on to him, in my opinion. Not wrong for doing that, but I do think you're missing your opportunity. If you're planning on trading him, do it now because that window is going to close.
0: Yeah, great points. Um, Okay, we're going to move on. This is our final segment of the day. We're going to kind of keep it short and sweet. We're just going to address the international prospects from 2019. 2020, obviously, was a very odd season. I don't even have that list in front of me. But 2019 are some players that I think may catch your eye. They may be guys that you might be looking at in Dynasty Leagues that are still out there in the waiver market. Richie, who are some names that kind of have caught your eye and maybe that you want to talk about a little bit?
1: Yeah, the first one I want to talk about is Jokic Cespedes, the younger brother to Ioannis Cespedes. He's uh, just signed with, with the White Sox. This is a guy who's probably going to be very similar to Joanna Cespedes. I know there was talk about him uh, having a higher strikeout rate, but that will develop with time. The other one that kind of sticks out to me, Wilman Diaz, shortstop that signed with the Dodgers. Um, I think he's going to be great in the future, more of a, you know, overall baseball player rather than a fantasy uh, prospect. And then Armando Cruz signed with the Nationals. Here's a young guy, 16-year-old Dominican shortstop. He's known for being a great defender, um, and he's got just a beautiful stroke with his bat. And then the last one I want to touch on is Pedro Leon, signed with the Astros, 22-year-old. He was just killing it um, in his home league, batting three fifty-nine with 21 homers and 1.098 OPS in 65 games. He actually was somebody who was picked up in our Dynasty League and then dropped. I think that player just realized that they can't stash this guy, especially knowing he's not going to come up. As Matt has mentioned, um, these are all international guys who haven't even started playing yet, and we're not going to see them for a very long time. So these are the guys that you would kind of hope to see some of those younger guys that I briefly mentioned where they just start lighting it up. Um, in the minors, and when they go from 16 and by the time they're 18, they're in double or triple-A, that's when they're ready. And it's uh, just kind of fun to watch, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see it this year and probably won't even see it next year, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and that kind of gets us to the point of, I guess, this segment. Uh, We've been asked over the last couple months, you know, who's the next Juan Soto, who's the next Ronald Acuna. And obviously, as fantasy baseball has developed to the place it is here in 2021, it is very important for every league manager to be on top of who the next guys are which has made them that much more publicized obviously we have known about wander franco for three years now uh, juan soto was kind of an anomaly kind of came out of the shadows and performed at a very high clip if you remember back to that year it was actually victor robles that was higher in the prospects ring than soto So the point of this is just to let everyone know that, hey, I know it's important to grab the young players, but when it comes to the international signings, it's going to take a little while. Losing 2020, where you were not allowed for these organizations to actually place these players in low A or in rookie leagues, which I don't think exist anymore, I think they were neutralized for minor league baseball, um, really hurt, hurt franchises and hurt the young talent. A couple names from the 2019 class that I'm going to throw out there. And just to keep your eyes on, kind of check your league availability. Obviously, Jason Dominguez for the Yankees, highly touted, right? If he's out there, grab him. That's without question. These next few names, though, are going to be some guys that you probably don't want to grab right away. You just want to monitor. So the first one we have for the Oakland A's is Robert Uh, Poussin, he's a shortstop glove first. He will develop into a hitter. He's going to take a long time in the minor leagues to develop. He is one of the only players that Richie and I have actually talked about that is actually playing in the minor leagues right now. He has been placed. Next one is Byron Laura. He's going to be an outfielder. Big word used for him was a big athlete when he was signed. He's 6'3", almost 200 pounds, very strong, has a lot of natural power and great bat speed. And then finally, we have Luis Rodriguez, who ended up signing with the Dodgers, an outfielder. When he signed, he was a little bit skinny, needed to put on some weight. That is something that major league organizations have no problem doing with their athletic teams. They can really build these guys up. I expect for Luis Rodriguez over the next couple of years to be a massive budding prospect. Again, we need to see him play, though. So look for a pure hitter, natural athlete. He says he has solid baseball instincts in his overall scouting report. This is going to be a guy that's going to be an all-around player. If there's a next Juan Soto, it is Luis Rodriguez in my, na- in my eyes. But give it time. These guys like Richie had said are at least two years away. Richie, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today?
1: No, I completely agree. None of these guys, in my opinion, are must adds in Dynasty unless you are playing in a super deep league. They're more of a monitor, wait-and-see kind of a thing at least see what happens once they start playing in the minors. Um, It's just kind of unfortunate um, that we, we can't analyze more of these international prospects.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the fun thing about fantasy baseball is keeping the eye on the young guys. You know, when we get to 2022, we get to June of next year, I think we'll finally be back to regular minor league baseball, major league baseball. That's when the fun of these international prospects will really start again. All Well, that wraps up our show for the day. We hope you'd enjoy. If you have questions, if you have any prospects that you want Richie and I to talk about, if there are any trade considerations that you are interested in, please feel free to comment or send us messages on social media. We are on all formats as the Fantasy Baseball Buds. And remember to like and subscribe on anywhere you find your podcasts. We will see you next time.